0: Well, happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome back to another Learning Tech Talks, where we are living at the intersection of business, technology, and the human experience, and helping you stay future-focused so you can be where the puck will be, not where it is today. And I am really looking forward to our conversation today. We're going to be talking about the measurable improvement of interpersonal skills, which I think is probably one of the most important areas to focus on, which may seem ironic given the fact we hear all this about AI and technology and all this other stuff. And to navigate this conversation with me is someone who shares my passion around this topic, it's Laura Wells, who is the founder and CEO of Awake Teams. So thank you so much for joining me, Laura.
1: Good morning, Christopher. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about
0: this. No, we're going to have some fun. And for those who are just listening and watching, um, I do want to just let you know, remind you of some changes that I've made to the show. So I'm continuing to enhance this to make this better for you. So keep an eye out on things. But one of the newest additions is be sure to sign up for my Substack. Because I am now taking each one of these conversations and breaking it down into a digestible version that you can then read later and say, What are the biggest takeaways and what are the things I can be doing to improve myself? So, if you aren't subscribed already, definitely do that. But so, Laura, let's get into this one and talk a little bit about your background. So, people who may go, Who is this person that Christopher's (laughs) talking to about measurably improving interpersonal skills? Are they qualified? which you are more than qualified, in my opinion, on this topic. But give us a little background into who you are and where you're coming from.
1: Yeah. So I spent a long time working in corporate environments in the business world. I have an international MBA. And so I started my professional journey there. Very idealistic. You know, let's let's use commerce to... to um, traverse the, the board differences across borders and things like that. Um, and I, so I, I worked in the largest consor, con, consumer packaged goods companies doing yeah. brand management on M and M's and Colgate and, um, ended up on Dove at Unilever yeah. worked in the, U, in the U S and Europe, and then ended up on a global team and eventually had to reckon with a couple of things Making com- making companies more profitable um, was not my life story. Like I knew, I worked <laughs> with, a, with with really smart people, and I got fantastic training. And I also that idealism of, you know, using commerce to to traverse some of the differences and potential conflict across borders. It's not what yeah. I was doing, and I finally had to reckon with. All right, that is not really what I'm up to here, and this isn't what All I want. Right,
0: that me. wasn't getting you out of bed in the morning. <laughs>
1: yes. And that isn't what my whole life story is about. And also corporate culture. You know, I was, I okay. recognize like, I am not fully showing up here. My voice is not fully expressed. I am not bringing all of me. And so I left corporate and went to nonprofit. And,
0: and thought, when was this?
1: This, this was in 2000, I was going to say the late 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I started at the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation in 2010. So, um, you know, and it wasn't the you were going
0: through, you were going through some of actually very largely what we experience and have are continuing to experience, in my opinion, on a much larger scale with kind of the great resignation of what we've seen coming out of the pandemic, where a lot of people I think have gone through a similar thing where they've gone, you know, I'm doing this. It's not really necessarily meeting my, really what I want to do with my professional career. So you were doing it before it was cool. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're a trendsetter.
1: (laughs) All right. Good, good. I hope. Yeah. Um, that's good. Cause we need some, we need some trends. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay. So you transitioned out of consumer package goods to, fo- to nonprofit in, and, and then you continue there.
1: Yeah. So I landed at the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation. So I was targeting education, figuring, you know, we need to, we have this capacity to learn and change throughout our lifetime, which we'll talk about. And I wanted to, I thought education, where I ended up landing a great job on the leadership team is a place called the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation. And it's a philanthropic grant-giving foundation, some charity, that funds innovative neuroscientists who have out-of-the-box ideas, are having trouble getting traditional funding, need proof-of-concept funding, and then they often, after the grant from the foundation, would go on to get an NIH grant. And
0: I went in on the leadership. So you were working with these neuroscientists who were studying how the brain worked, seeing these really unique opportunities, but because of maybe in some ways it relates to our topic, their interpersonal skills. We're struggling to get people to see the vision they had where they're going, this is what the science is telling us. Here's a real opportunity. And they were struggling with that. And so the team you worked with went in and went, we think you've got something here. Let us help you bring that to life.
1: Yeah, so so the the foundation has an amazing scientific council who would select the grantees and those are the neuroscientists. And then my most important function on the leadership team was to translate the research that was being funded so okay. that philanthropists would give more money, basically, so okay. people could understand. Yeah, you're contrast. demystifying
0: the hyper technical scientific stuff into here's what this really looks like in practice to do this.
1: Here's what this research is actually funding and making possible. And so, okay. Over the course of six years of doing that, I learned so much about the possibility for neuroplasticity, what we can do to encourage that, how we also have to pay attention to two stressful situations that can inhibit neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is simply, I'll say simply, the the brain's capacity to change and adapt throughout our lifespan so so like both structurally like the brain as a thing and also functionally how well's communication and circuitry how's communication flowing through the circuitry in the brain both of those continue to change throughout our lifespan and and that is a new finding relatively speaking right in the past Okay. So we're talking both
0: aspects of it. And I think it's an important part to one demystify this concept because terms like this get thrown around a lot. Neuroplasticity can get thrown around, but we're talking about both aspects of it, which is both the structural and then our capacity to actually make those changes.
1: And the functional, exactly. So, so circuitry, like, like, yes, that the structure of it. Yeah. The 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 brain's
0: actually rewiring itself. It's physically rewiring its neural pathways and and our functional capacity to do that.
1: Exactly. And that the more we behave in a certain way, for example, also influences the the strength of the circuitry. So it's not a closed loop. It's not as if, Oh, we have this static brain and it gets impacted by things coming, coming from the outside. It's that yes. And we can influence that also by paying attention to the kinds of things that are, that are coming in choosing environments and also the way we behave right by creating new habits. We reinforce circuitry. So I learned so much about that. And again, so I, I have to say, I'm not a neuroscientist. I was not doing the research. I had the great honor and privilege of translating the work of brilliant neuroscientists and yeah. who I uh, always vetted, right. I always vetted the translation when it's like, you know, am I dumbing it down too much? Am I missing something critical? Yeah. And so I did have the great privilege of, of working with. Really
0: I appreciate, honestly, though, I appreciate your humble But I think you're being maybe a little bit too humble with this, if I'm being honest with you, because that really, you were in a really unique position. And I think that can't be overstated, the fact that, yeah, you're not claiming, I did all the science, I did all the research, which it'd be easy to overstate your credentials, but you do it in a very humble way of saying, listen, I'm not claiming that I did all the scientific study and the research. But being in that environment and being around it, and in many ways, I think this is why I see learning as People who are in our field sometimes are really uniquely positioned because when you're around it and you have the tough job of saying, here is this really complicated subject matter content, but how do I distill it and break it down into a way that people who don't have that highly technical cognitive capability can then digest and go, oh, okay, that's really what that is. That you probably Mm -hmm. saw in those six years- some incredible things that many people have can probably not even imagine.
1: Yeah, gosh. And it, and it really is just a question of breaking down information for people who aren't trained in that, right? It's like learning a foreign right. language, I, you know, which, which maybe maybe that's why I, I didn't feel so daunted by it, because I have learned and, and speak some foreign languages. So in a way, it was similar, like, okay, there's neuroscience, this feels like a foreign language, and I bet it can be broken down and understood. And and sure enough, yeah. it can. And then you have to make sure you're not breaking it down too much or in the wrong way. Right. Uh, so because yeah, you don't want to be missing
0: core things. Okay.
1: Yeah, and and thank you. I, I appreciate the acknowledgement of the experience. And I definitely garnered key insights, like what is really impactful about what's happening here? And what does that mean for the potential of human beings? And I eventually decided, you know, that idealism in me that wanted to forge differences across borders using commerce, right? We're, we're going to continue to need trade and and business as we call it today, yep. um, was still alive in me. And I have a lot of skin in the game. I got an international MBA. I spent a long time in the corporate world. I decided I'm taking this back because that thing, one of the reasons I left corporate, that corporate culture thing that I had made into some kind of image of like, it's a cement block and it's a thing and I don't fit there and my voice isn't fully expressed and I'm not comfortable. I want to go somewhere else. It's like, wait, it's not a cement thing that can't change. It's just humans behaving in a particular way. And it's
0: very dynamic and fluid in nature in many ways. Okay.
1: Exactly. Like neuroplasticity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So,
0: okay. So you had this, you had this corporate, right? Consumer packaging experience on growth and and trade and business. Then you went into the nonprofit space, really understood. And again, to me, this is where the business and human side of things intersected for you on the professional spectrum of, you started learning a lot more about really who people are and how they work. And then how did that lead to, wait a minute, I'm going to create, create awake teams to make an impact.
1: Yeah. So I, I decided to become a corporate trainer and I'm certified in a very well-known emotional intelligence program and was training here in person at the largest tech companies. When I say here, I'm in the Bay area. And the the nonprofit I worked at was in New York city. I, I moved out to the Bay area was interested in, um, in in how what is what is the best way to bring this into corporations so i Mm -hmm. was training in person facilitating and learned like gosh sometimes there were wait lists for the program the employees really want this kind of upskilling they know they need emotional intelligence interpersonal skills social and emotional (laughs) skills that in order to manage people in order to advance in their career and come are willing to pay for it. It's a huge market. It's often called soft skills training. Companies see the research that says, okay, this is supposed to increase employee engagement, reduce turnover, hit the bottom line and increase productivity. So we're going to invest in it. Companies grow billions,
0: billions of dollars at this.
1: So everybody's acknowledging this is important, right? Yep. The people want the upskilling, the companies are paying for it. And I would kept hearing this frustration on the part of the buyers of the program who would say, We don't have any data. Like, like we read the research, our people want it, but we have absolutely <laughs> no idea what we just did with our money. We're in the dark as to what that training actually did. Did something happen? If it
0: accomplished, if it accomplished what we believed that it would. The desire was there. The desire was there. There's a general recognition. And I think this is a consistent theme. I see. I mean, I've been doing this my whole career. It's a consistent theme where there's this general acknowledgement. We know this is an important thing. We're willing to invest in it. Yet we keep running into, did it achieve anything? Did people get better and did them getting better have an impact on our organization?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So, the, this idea that soft skills are soft and fuzzy and can't be measured, right, has gotten kind of accepted like, oh, well, shot in the dark. We know we have to invest in it. So, we will. But leaders are frustrated. They're like, we it drives me
0: absolutely bonkers on that point. <laughs> You're 100% right that that is a false statement that has been accepted by the vast majority is, well, you know, soft skills, they just, you can't really measure it. And it drives me absolutely bananas because yes, you can. You yeah. can measure improvement in soft skills, in behavior. Yeah. And you so, so see these how are so- change.
1: Yeah. So that led me to Awake Teams. So prior to COVID, oh. in-person facilitating at great companies, seeing the feeling, the passion and the need for it, the willingness to pay for it, and this real concern like, yeah, but- what did we do with our money? Were skills acquired? Did they stick? Is there really a bottom line impact? And I, it was really fair. Those questions were fair.
0: And you're spending billions of dollars on it. You should be asking the question, did we get anything for that?
1: And by the way, we also learn better as humans when we get data, Like we get grades in school. Have I got this? Can I move on to the next subject or do I need to double down here? How am I doing? And so without data, we're also limiting the learning process for us. So I I decide during covid. All right. I'm going to figure this out because we really need these interpersonal skills. This thing called corporate culture, like is just humans showing up and behaving in a particular way. And it does, doesn't does ever, it does not need to be destructive to people, to the planet, right? And the impact of business activities, there, it just doesn't have to be. It's us showing up in a All particular way. Right, there's a better way. way. There's a better way. And, and making decisions and using our cognitive capacities in particular ways. So I just, during covid I'm gonna figure this out, we need it. And there's this gap that they they are measurable. These are behaviors, right? These are demonstrable behaviors. How well am I communicating? Am I synthesizing and summarizing clearly? Is it landing with you? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Am I able to listen and take in your response? These these are these are observable things. Building but trust. But you have to
0: to your point on this, though. You have to deconstruct that, and I think a lot of times that's been an area that has not. We just haven't leaned into it as much as we could.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that so that is what uh, what I've done. What we've done. And so you
0: set team. out to solve for that.
1: Yes. And I, so early on, I did a tech accelerator program. It's so funny. I was in the corporate world, left the corporate world. I'm going to nonprofit to do good. And then I'm back in like Silicon you come Valley full circle. Tech, tech accelerator program. I know. You know it's
0: beautiful. The is, though, it's beautiful. But the thing is, and this is why I'm really looking forward to this discussion is it's always interesting to me as people go through their life cycle journey. And is this even, well, it may sound like a sidebar. It actually represents what you learned about neuroplasticity through your work in the nonprofit, which is we are on these growth journeys throughout our adult lives. I mean, really all the way through and the choices we make, whether we want to get complacent, which ultimately leads to atrophy or continue to push ourselves to grow and develop. Really, you have a lot more control over that than you realize At the same time, there is a lot of opportunity in this area to help people do a better job because largely people don't know where they need to develop going back to the fact that they kind of know I need to get better at interpersonal, but I don't necessarily know the specific behaviors that I need to focus on. I don't know what benefit I'm going to gain from growing those. And I don't know whether I'm making measurable progress, which are all indicators that help people want to grow and exactly. I think that's it's a noble thing and there's definitely an area for this for sure
1: yeah. well thank you I, 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 it's it's delightful to talk to somebody who just gets it right away and feels it. And so the tech accelerator kicked me off. It was um, a very early tech accelerator program. So you just had to have sort of an idea on a piece of paper, which was what I had. And then they like twist and turn. And, you know, by the end of it, three months later, I had an idea that had been vetted and, and that particular accelerator program, 80 of us started, only 20 of us finished. So they really do twist and pull and they, you know, they, they insist, this is what, this is the kind of business that you have to prove okay. that you can create. And so if we fast forward from there to now, I now have, we now, I, I definitely just like the <laughs> teams, we learn together. We also, you know, produce together. So, so we now have a product in market customers, revenue, and data. And so what what is Awake Teams and how does it work? So Awake Teams develops interpersonal skills within workplace teams and measures impact. And so it's in three-month modules, so a series of three-month modules, teams of four to 10 people who actually work together, go on this learning journey together, and that's because we don't see our own blind spots, especially no. in these interpersonal skills. You know, I may think I'm awesome, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, I build trust so well.
0: <laughs> well, and and if you really want to look at work, because one of the things I recently did one of these live streams, a solo stream, on my reflections over the last four years, because I started this live stream right before the pandemic hit. And so it's been an absolute treasure (laughs) trove watching the incubator of society and workforce trends over the last four years as we went through the pandemic then we came out of it and all these things and your point about our assumptions about how good we are at things are often not accurate and we saw that with the pandemic when we had a lot of teams that suddenly their team structure got disrupted and a lot of assumptions were made oh we're really great communicators, everyone understands what we're doing as a team. We have strong relationships with each other. We know how to connect. And suddenly when the environmental factor changed, a lot of people had a mirror held up to them that went, Oh, yeah. like, I don't, <laughs> I don't like what I'm seeing. Right. now. like, we there's needed a,
1: those mirrors. We yeah, needed it's, that. Like, it's like that neuroplasticity loop, right? We, we are impacted by what's outside of us and then we choose new behavior and we reinforce learning. So we yeah. actually need the mirror. Otherwise we, right. Right. Stay even though it's not fun, us.
0: it's never yeah. fun when that mirror is first held up to you and you yeah. go, that's what I look like. <laughs> But you can either choose to go, you can either, and I I think this goes back to that neuroplastic. You can either choose to go, I'm just going to get rid of the mirror (laughs) because I don't like looking at that. Or you can go, what am I going to do to change what I see so that I can like what I see in the mirror?
1: And so that I am learning, right? So that I am malleable and I'm permeable to feedback and I am adapting and changing, which we're capable of throughout our lifespan, right? Which I only said very briefly, but that they used to think right at, at maturity, the brain was static and didn't change anymore. And it does throughout our lifespan. So, you know, and also things like on this one, I actually
0: question follow-up question on you because you talked about the fact that this is relatively, relatively new on this. What is relatively new? Because that is a fundamental scientific seismic shift that does actually change the conversation because If historically there was a belief that people are static and where they are is static and there's only so much you really can, you can maybe change some environmental factors. You can maybe change some of these other things, but for the most part, a person is static to suddenly going, oh, wait, that's not true at all. And honestly, even people knowing that about themselves can change things because once you recognize like, wait, I don't have to, what I see in the mirror doesn't have to be what's in the mirror forever, and I actually can yeah. change that. How relatively new is that?
1: So in the past thirty years. So there are researchers okay. who say when they went if they went to medical school, they that's what they were taught that the brain is static at maturity, and so one of the neuroscientists who funded by the foundation, the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation, who I had the the, the privilege of of interviewing, and we did a piece on him, and there was a this quarterly magazine that we did. Um, Bruce McEwen, he's at Rockefeller University in New York, in the 1960s, he discovered there are stress receptors in the brain, and it, and from that, particularly in the hippocampus region, and okay. that those stress receptors enable change to happen and facilitate okay. neurogenesis, or the creation of new cells and synapses, or the deterioration um, what you called atrophy earlier. Yep. And so that that kicked off and, and a number of other researchers. I was actually just okay. looking at it. I pulled out that magazine actually before our call to remind <laughs> myself. And there are so many people to be named. He just was, you know, No, but what, what
0: you're sharing with that when you think about, because someone could hear that and think 30 years, that doesn't sound that new. But if for a long, long period of time leading up to that, if leading up to that, the whole thought has been, know we're static. 30 years is actually a blip on the screen when we think about what it takes to change overall. So to get society to start to accept and recognize that is a fundamental non-truth a ta- that we yes. have discovered. Yes. 30 and years is, possible. I mean, think about how long it takes society to even know, wait a minute, what? That's a false thing that I used to believe that now I need you're talking decades before even i have to imagine that research initially probably was not met with everybody going oh now this all makes sense like we've broadly accepted that
1: yeah so well and i also think we maybe weren't tuned in and paying that much attention to neuroscience now we are yeah. and okay. and it's what what you know what becomes possible with that learning that that we we can't accept status quo we can't say well that's the best well, we, we can do that's just the way it is because it's not true like we are always right. capable of learning and so so I'll, I'll I'll just take it back to awake teams um and so yeah. awake teams What's different about awake teams is that in our learning model, we target specific skills. So yes, it's soft skills and we name them. It's not, oh, we're raising your EQ or, oh, you'll have higher emotional intelligence. It's each three month module deals with trains, develops five specific skills. So we name specific skills. It's not, you don't have to guess. Right. And then we use measurement. And so in our case, we use anonymous peer assessment. So I get to say like, so trust our foundational communication. I mean, sorry, our our foundational curriculum is trust building communication and collaboration skills. And that's because there's so much research that indicates those are the skills that increase employee engagement. They get us to to
0: (laughs) You want to talk about a foundational pillar that you can focus on that will strengthen the foundation of a building. Like you just named it right there. If that skill is lacking, you are built on the sand.
1: Yeah. So, so, so in trust, for example, there are five specific skills and they're observable behaviors. It's not like, Mm -hmm. oh, I trust Christopher more this month than I did last month. No, it's like, how often do I see Christopher seeking to understand different perspectives? How often do you see me sharing both my strengths And my challenges with the team, those kinds of things. So we each rate ourselves and then anonymously each month after the synchronous team session, we each rate each other. And it's, it's for the learning, right? It's not a performance. It's not performance management. It's not. it's not It's not It's not to
0: punish you or say, this is where you're really bad. You're a bad person or these are the things it's to help you see here's Here's where you where you sit. It's like stepping on the scale. It's you the don't year. know whether you need to lose weight or gain until you step on the scale and go, okay, that's the number. That's what yeah. I'm working with.
1: Exactly. And with interpersonal skills, there is no other way to measure them than interpersonally. This is about you know building trust. I may think I'm awesome, but it makes no sense, right? Because it's like building trust with what? With whom? And communicating, communication is about how does it land? (laughs) Are we dialoguing? Collaboration, right? So the only way to measure them is interpersonally. And that means the people we work with, right? And that's important. So the team for us, four to 10, it's important. These have to be people that you actually work with, who you acknowledge to some extent, your success depends on how you're showing up with these people. And so- you have to care what they think. You can't dismiss it. You can't be like, oh, well, I don't care what they think. Or they don't really know. No, there's like an upfront acknowledgement. We are a team okay. and we have-
0: So to there's some pre, time, there's so. some pre, well, and this actually gets to, and we'll, maybe we'll come back and kind of talk about what these, because what I'm doing is that I'm listening to you talk about all this. I'm formulating where the opportunity areas in what I see historically, and they're actually lining up very nicely to when I've looked into these spaces and when I've worked in these spaces, where are the gaps normally in what you see, which is what we talked about in the beginning of companies are throwing billions of dollars at this? For what? And we'll we'll come back to these. So yeah, again, some of it is the intentional selection of the intentional selection of who are people that it actually matters that I have good interpersonal relationships exactly. with
1: exactly exactly and then the mirror because at the end of the day you
0: could be great but if the people that it actually matters to have it with if they don't think you're great it actually really doesn't matter all that much
1: that's exactly right you stand in your corner you're like no i'm great i'm great well then you're standing in your i have these
0: friends that tell me i'm really great well your friends aren't the ones (laughs) telling you how your workplace performance is so it doesn't really matter that your friends are great your coworkers don't think so.
1: Yeah, and and so by doing that it's also right an attempt to normalize the getting feedback. Right, that it's a yeah. critical part of learning, that that we need the feedback. And so then there's this, there's a progress okay. report every month that, that summarizes the data that, that each of us see. And you know, whoever paid for the program, they get to see it too. And then at the okay. end of the three months, it's a quarter. Three months is long enough for behavior change, and it's yep. also long enough for data to be significant. Then whoever paid for the program also can see, oh, these specific skills, what happened? How much did they improve? Yep and what's the impact on engagement and performance. And so with specific numbers and the monthly progress reports that we all get, that's where we get that mirror. And then, and and we continue to get the learning and the training, right? It's not like, oh, this is yep. a diagnostic assessment. This is who you are. This is who Christopher is. And now let's create strategies on how to work with Christopher. It's like, yeah, no neuroplasticity. This is, this is how Christopher's experience today. Yeah. And now let's give him some tools and and then measure again in a month and see how we experience Christopher then.
0: Which what's interesting about, it's interesting as I'm reflecting on what you've shared and the fact you started with um, in the training space, one of these, and we don't have to talk about which one, but the, the assessment tools, even some of those, one of the opportunities I often see with them is they put people in a static category exactly you are a blank and suddenly people start going that's that's what i am Makes that's sense. how i am that's how i behave this is the static concrete version of who i am which is so far from the truth because maybe you are today because of the environmental factors you're in or maybe you look at that and go i you know that's i wish i was better in that area but they have this tendency to reinforce well, you know what? You just are that. I mean, I am naturally introverted. Guess what? I've had to learn how to build extroversion skills because it's well, been did it. to my career, and I've built it. And yes, I, it still exhausts me. But you can build these things, and I think it's fantastic how you're really drilling into that.
1: Yeah, it's it's that neuroplasticity thing again, right? That that we're living <laughs> microcosms of that. That if right. we if we think, oh, I am that, and therefore I just continue to do that, then I'm reinforcing the circuitry, and You're then it like becomes a self fulfilling. Yeah, then I am it that. The self fulfilling process. Yeah. Whereas I can choose to, to do something new, and for us to step out of our comfort zone is challenging, right? So not, for, yeah. for well, for even we what you said have, about
0: feedback. Even what you said about feedback, it can be really hard the first time you look in the mirror and go, or the first time you, I mean, again, I'm using a lot of analogies, but the first time you step on the scale can be like, like, uh, I'm not, but then you start doing it and you start seeing the progress and you start going, okay, I'm getting this feedback. So then when you have that time where you go to Thanksgiving or you, you you know, whatever, and you come back and go, shoot, you know, I kind of like, Went off track. But you're like, okay, but I can, I can look at that now. And it's a little easier for me to go, okay, but I can keep stepping forward. It's
1: a little easier for me to look. And I have people who I'm in this with in our case. It's really hard for us to change behavior by ourselves. Just as hard as it is for us to get out of our comfort zone, right? The mirror thing. Yeah. Um and then to stay right because it is like if it's creating new circuitry, then it is uncomfortable. It's
0: hard work.
1: It's hard work. It's, it's and, why
0: um a lot of companies talk about the need to reskill and upskill. And a lot of where I spend my time is helping people understand that is not a small task. It's not that is not task, something it. that you just go, hey everybody. I know you all behave like this. We need you to behave like this now and we're done. And everything you've just described just highlights. This is hard work and it's not just work. You're actually rewiring your brain. So you are physiologically changing a human being, which is a lot of
1: work. It is a lot of work. And it's also not an individual, just, just like the brain isn't a closed loop. We also are not closed loops. So if we think we can do it by ourselves we're fooling ourselves because we're impacted by the environments we're in by the people we're around by the feedback we're getting by what we're the support we have the even like creating shared intentions together in a group significantly increases the likelihood that we will actually do that right that it actually yep. becomes a new norm a new way of behaving yeah. because we we're holding each other accountable Right. And and we can learn positive, constructive ways to do that. And and that's important. Right. Because this is hard territory and. the the mirror is uncomfortable and getting out of our comfort zones is uncomfortable and it's essential. Otherwise like who's going to look at the human race today and say, Oh no, let's just stop growing. Status quo is working. It's good enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This doesn't need to to be that conversation, (laughs) but I can tell you right now, if you're, if you're looking around the world, just going, I actually think we're good. I don't really think there's anywhere for us to grow. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. As a species, yeah, we, um, yeah.
1: yeah. As a species, we, we, we have uh, evolving to do.
0: So, uh, yeah. and, and it's possible. We have some growth. <laughs> so question for you on this that I do want to touch on that you just shared with this, because I am very empathetic to people. And what we talked about, I know we've talked about this and made jest and light about it, but I actually am very sensitive to the fact that looking in the mirror can be very hard yeah, for people. It is. And it can almost be borderline traumatic it
1: is. when
0: based on you really never know anyone's story. And the number of people I've talked to who the reason they haven't looked in the mirror isn't because of some just, I think I'm amazing. It's because of baggage and trauma or things they've experienced where it is actually physically painful to look in the mirror because of all, it brings up all these other things, which I think you hit it at this earlier with the neuroplasticity side of things that like, Hey, there are a lot of factors and you can push it too hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can push
0: people too hard and break them. How do you help people find that right line where it's like, we want to push you into the zone Again, we can use the zone of proximal development where we're pushing you to stretch hard enough that we're making some micro tears. Again, I use a lot of physical growth (laughs) development things, right? I'm making, I mean, I just think about lifting weights. You want to make some micro tears in your muscle. You want to make some micro tears because that actually makes the muscle heal better. But if you push too hard, you will tear the muscle and the ligament to a point where you're causing damage. Yeah. And that's not a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. How yeah. do you
0: help people find that sweet spot yeah. in there? Because getting that sweet spot is important and everybody's sweet spot looks a little bit different. And what might be great micro tears for one person might rip the ligament right off the bone.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in our case, so that so that the feedback is anonymous. And then it's in a three month learning journey, right? So, so the whole, it's all set up. The framework is we are here to learn and develop and we're doing it together as a team, right? We will get better as individuals. We're getting the upskilling we need and we're going to function better as a team. So we're in this together. And the, when you get the feedback, then you get a personalized sequence of a bite-sized learning every week. So it's not, again, it's okay. not the assessment. Here's who you it. are. Now we're going to figure out what to do with you. It's like in today, in this context, in this group of people, here's where you are today. And this is the group in the context we're focused on right now. Here, here's some use this like here's here's your nudge yeah. learning this week and then the next week here's your nudge learning this week and it's very application based behavioral based do this demonstrate these behaviors here's how you do it this week focus on this to develop this growth edge right yeah. and then you continue to break it
0: down fun- into digestible pieces and again this goes back to some of the things that we'll maybe recap at the end that I think you're doing that just based on my experience have really impactful differences is is you're spacing this out. You're breaking it into digestible chunks. So instead of saying you looked in the mirror, you stepped on the scale, you need to now be, you need to drop a hundred pounds and build 50 pounds of muscle next week. It's like, well, that's just not even fit. You're saying, no, we get it. This is three months. We've broken this into a reasonable, manageable approach and we've broken it into pieces. We've anonymized it to help make looking in the mirror, not feel like, Hey, we're all looking in the mirror at you right now. Like, nope, you get a chance to look in the mirror in the security of yourself.
1: Yeah, and everybody gets it, right? We're all in it together. And we're all going through the same experience. And we're all also learning the same behaviors. We have access to the same research. so it's, it's all very research-backed, and yeah. brilliant PhDs who contribute to this uh, so that it's objective, right? Again, yeah. it's not, oh, I trust you more, I trust you less. No, it's an objective research-backed curriculum. and we the minimum is three months right that that's where we begin because that really that's is like point. like let's see. okay can, are we getting used to this like yeah it, it is a little painful to get feedback because generally speaking it's not something we're accultured to that no. this is good this is good that's and this good is thing. for learning and i get to do uh, new behaviors that right that isn't our natural um I
0: think a culture, no. right? Well, it's no, like, and I did. A, I did to did have a thing. It all. Well, and I did a live stream a couple months ago talking about um, how in a lot of organizations the word coaching is synonymous with performance management, and the impact that that has on a lot of employees when they hear and they see these things, it creates a visceral reaction because there's there's an assumption of oh, you think something's wrong with me, you're trying to fix me, or you're trying to, it's punitive in nature instead of, Rather and I think them. this goes back to the people listening and watching who are thinking, there's a lot of things you have to do with your business leaders, with your organization to help make sure you're setting the right context for this, because that is in many regards, how people can approach and feel when they start hearing like, wait, you that's why I even hate when organizations start talking about we need to reskill everybody. It can create this environment of like, you all aren't good enough and we got to fix you to make you valuable. Instead of saying, no, you are all uniquely valuable, right. we need to Definitely. grow together. We yeah. need to grow together to reach our new potential. We need to grow together to achieve what the future, because the future has changed. This isn't because you're inept. It's because things have changed and we need to grow and adapt to the new environment that's in front of us.
1: It's because you have untapped potential. It's because there are new, new things that are called for now that we need to step into. And that's going to be uncomfortable. And, and it's an opportunity to learn and adapt that we are completely capable of. Right.
0: (laughs) So Something else I want to drill into on this that I love that you hit on this because going back to our earlier point of, well, so one we busted a bunch of myths, one, the myth that we're static. No, we're not. The research, the neuroscience shows, no, we're not. Your, your brain physically changes and you are capable of change. So if you're thinking people are stuck and they're static, just whoop, throw that one out the window. <laughs> but then <laughs> the, other is, right, right, the other one is, right. The other one is behavior and skills can't be measured. Which again, not true. I want to spend a little time drilling into this because you brought up these skills and I think it's really important that people think and hear the deconstruction of this in a good way because I, I see so much opportunity to reconstruct this better, which is we often talk about soft skills in this esoteric, ethereal language like communication. Get better at communicating. Well, good grief, that is way too broad for people to really be able to understand actionably, so what should I do to get better? And where should I specifically grow and develop? Just like you don't just tell someone, get in shape. That... That's not an effective it's way to coach mean, someone you know, just go, go go I get in shape
1: well, right. no, like what yeah. what way
0: like what should the I do? where are public. the areas that I can grow and develop to do I want to improve my cardio health do I want to improve my body mass like what am I really trying to do so as you look at this, how has your teams and how have really the neuroscience community helped broken some of these things down? into more tangible and actionable things? Because that to me is the key to being able to measure. Because if you just keep a general communication, it's like, well, you can't measure that. But you've broken it down.
1: So we pull a lot also from industrial and organizational psychology. So it's specifically designed for the workplace too. And so we have this frame around employee engagement, showing up cognitively, physically, emotionally at work right? And that is always low. I mean, according to Gallup, it's like 23% is a high, 23% of employees around yes. the world are engaged, like showing up what they would self-qualify, showing up cognitively, physically, and emotionally, 23% of like, it just blows my mind. What's possible for us? And humans? going back to things it, we've it, just it accepted as the level. norm.
0: That's another exactly. one of those ones where companies are like, yeah, you know, 25% exactly. of the workforce is gay. I guess. It's like, yeah. what? That's three quarters that you, that's a huge room for improvement.
1: Yeah, okay. and why are we settling for that? Why are we allowing ourselves to stay and be in environments and like concrete, right? And and think yep. we, we, we can't be more, we can't bring more of ourselves because the world yeah. needs us to do that actually, <laughs> right? Nobody can argue with that. Yeah. The world needs no. us humans to be participating and cognitively, physically, and emotionally, right? And c- connecting and Um, So we pull from industrial and organizational psychology and social psychology and Employee engagement, that was that t- term was coined by William Kahn in the late 80s. And since then, there's been so much research around employee engagement. It's the most measured metric in human resources. And yep, so it is. It, it, yeah. And, and there's so much research now that, it, uh, to, that demonstrates what else it links to, including productivity, including reduced turnover. Well, that's what I was going
0: to say that sometimes warming. is lacking, is sometimes lacking in that, is that Engagement isn't always connected back to the workplace business metrics of this isn't just like a squishy thing like, oh, yeah, 25% of our workforce is engaged. Like, no, this actually ties to dollars and cents.
1: Exactly. Hits the bottom line productivity and also in turnover you know and also in mental health like the, the lack of belonging and and the impact of, of not showing up fully yeah, okay. and and so in breaking down so the first breaking down was okay then what are the the behaviors and skills in the workplace that okay. increase employee engagement and there's enough research now and so
0: okay
1: what came to the top was trust so building trust feeling safe with each other creating having conditions of psychological safety and then communication skills right how how well are are things being expressed and understood heard <laughs> valued giving and receiving feedback, how's that done? Um, And collaboration, things like managing conflict. So so our curriculum became based on that. So trust building, communication, collaboration. And so that's the foundational. So like year one is three month modules in each of those. And then the vision is that there are infinite variations off of that because you can take a couple of those, or one of those foundational trust building skills and do a full three months. So for example, like seeking to understand different perspectives is is a really key trust building skill. And so part of what's done with that part of the bite-sized learning and in the the team sessions is working with unconscious bias. That could easily be, right? Level two, level three. You
0: could blow that out. Right. Okay. So, and that helps me understand too, how you're thinking about this, because going back to it at the high level, you've done the diagnosis of Yes obviously there's a bajillion behaviors and skills we could focus on but what are the ones that are actually ultimately driving business performance which i think they have impact on far more than just business performance in terms of people's well-being but so you're looking at that and again laying the foundation of hey getting these things measurably improved as a foundation is fantastic then Continuing to layer on and build onto that and then saying, now, where can we specialize and go deeper in some of these? Because the ones you mentioned, you really could go into a microcosm Mm -hmm. just on each one of these
1: things. It's going to be infinite infinite variations on these three-month yeah. modules. And three months is the minimum for behavior change and, okay. and 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 enough time for people to get used to the mirroring, get used to taking data in, right? Three months is really a minimum.
0: And that's the sweet spot you found in terms of actually one. Well, so let me ask you this. Do you find with that, that people, are there efficiencies of scale as you start to like, build this muscle? Or do you find even still like, maybe you've gotten more comfortable with feedback. You're a little better at looking in the mirror and seeing things. Do you still find the actual behavior change still takes about three months, no matter what?
1: It's a minimum is what I would, yeah, it's a minimum. And it's also palatable for organizations. Like three months was enough, like, you know, cause I don't offer like a free, like, okay, try this for a day or try this for a week because our no, whole
0: change. Is data,
1: <laughs> data and real yeah. change, right? <laughs> Measurable yeah. improvement. So you can't do it in a day or a week. And so three months became the minimum, right? Like I can't okay. make companies commit to the year, you know, I, no, love but I think it, that's a really good thing for people.
0: Well, no, but I think it's a really good thing. And I don't ask that to see, is there a way to shortcut this? Because I really think this is important for people to think and really reflect on what you're bringing up. And I, even anecdotally, I'm not a scientist by any means, but even anecdotally, I have seen that throughout my career that really nothing effective happens in less than three months. It really doesn't. Um, and that's one of the biggest pain points I continue to see when there's pressure or people are trying to design. Like, how do we get people to do this in a week or two weeks? And it's like, well, I mean, do you really want to drive change or are you just looking to say you did a thing?
1: Exactly.
0: Because if you're really trying to drive change, you have to think in three months. And to your point, I love the fact you said that's minimum. That is a like, like That's not like you're not going to be storming. a different person in three months. That's to see measurable change st- Maybe changing your trajectory—you haven't arrived in three months.
1: No, and the bite-sized learning is also best for our, the way that we integrate memory as humans.
0: So, like
1: we we can't take it all, integrate and adapt our behaviors all at once. No. Like over time, right? Drips over time, and also we get used to this that this feedback model again I, because I think it's sort of it's a little countercultural, right? That
0: it is very. Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah. But we they, want
0: everything right now in the smallest bite and we want to be done with it and hit the And easy I want to be comfortable
1: and, is- and I don't want to believe I have blind spots or if I do, I want to do it in the privacy, right? But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work yeah. that way because the only way, especially with interpersonal skills to, to get those blind spots revealed is through others. And then to get beyond them is to practice new behaviors, right? And develop new habits, get some new circuitry, right? Some new things and it starts to feel comfortable. When After we do things for a while, it starts to feel comfortable, less challenging, right? And then we move on and we can do something else, right? We find the next Yeah, well,
0: and that's just it is going back to some of the other things to consider for folks is the fact that, like you said, we only have so much capacity to do this change because there's a lot of hard work going into it. I mean, again, going back to the physiological, you're literally rewiring your brain. So to try and get somebody to change 15 things you're just not going to be able to do it. Their brain literally can't even handle that kind of thing. But then being able to do that over time and being able to do it and put it into a state of steady state where now it's no longer building that new tissue. It's saying we've, we've moved it to a state of consistency, but how do you help people with that? Where, because that can be dangerous territory where you can go into complacency where you go, Oh, now I've got it. I'm going to kick it in the backseat, which to some degree you can deprioritize it, but you can't just go. Well, I'm never going to touch that again because that's where atrophy starts kicking in.
1: Right. So, so that's also why I really encourage continuing on with other, in our case, right, in other three month modules because we pull the threads forward right? So their trust isn't really completely independent from communication, which isn't really independent (laughs) from collaboration. (laughs) So we pull the threads forward. And you also, you're doing it with the people you work with. And so there's this, right, implicit acknowledgement over the course of the program that, okay, we get to hold each other accountable. We're supposed to. That's a part of this. Oh, it's not like I'm doing something wrong. If I like raise my hand and say, Hey, we're not doing that practice here. Like, you know, we're, you know, we're really not hearing each other. We're not playing back. We're not confirming. That we have objective ways to do that. And it becomes part of our culture that, Oh, right. We have these shared intentions together as a group, because we want to develop as individuals and it impacts the way we perform as a team. So let's, hold each other accountable in in constructive ways. It's not like I'm going to take you down next time I see you doing that. I'm
0: not going to (laughs) call you out in a group meeting and be like, hey, here's totally, but how do we do that productively? Which again, even the experience you've described in and of itself will build some of the things that you're talking about. That's the funny part about everything you described is the experience itself is designed to reinforce the behaviors and the skills that you're building in that experience. Exactly,
1: exactly. That's it's all, yeah, you're exactly right. It, yeah. it all um it's all part of the same package. Yep. Yeah. We learn okay. so much better and we learn more together. Well and it goes we back also, to
0: modeling what you want to see.
1: And noticing, right? Like, oh who's doing that? Who's doing that better? Oh and where am I better? you know, it, that it's yep. it's both and, and it's all good. It's not a competition. Yeah. It's no. we're in this to show up more physically, cognitively and emotionally, right? Because then bec- because then we feel better when we're doing that, when we feel like I am here, my I am yeah. expressing myself, my voice is heard and valued, right? We feel better and we perform better and yes. doing it with people we work with creates connection, and then we don't want to leave. It's harder to quit, right? Because yep. I'm connected yep. here. And we've built something together. We've been in this process together.
0: Yeah, it's huge. So I want to, we're, I knew we were going to run. <laughs> <laughs> so coming into the home stretch on this, one of the things that I think would be helpful for folks is this, the way we've talked about it, I think can be good. It can also be Challenging for folks because we've talked about it like this is so intuitive and so natural, which I love when I talk to people where it is really intuitive and natural. And it's like, yeah, duh. Like, well, of course, this is what we do. That's not always the case. And I know people who watch and listen to my show, that is not always the experience they have. They're dealing with leaders who go, yeah, I don't see it that way. And we even talked backstage. There are people you encounter where they just go, mm, no. I don't really think this is all that important. I don't think soft skills matter. I don't think... What things, as you've gone through this journey, is there any feedback or thoughts that you would share with people who may be hearing this going, I agree. Hopefully, if you don't agree, we've convinced you. Number one, (laughs) hopefully we've convinced this matters and there are ways you can get around it. But for those who go, I agree, but I'm struggling. I, I keep running into headwinds or I'm dealing with people who don't see what we just described. What have you found? And I don't know that there's any easy answer to this, but have you found things that help bring people along for the ride that you would share with folks?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think I, I have found like, that I, I need to find the people who it resonates with, right? It's like another hill to climb if I have to convince them in the first place that, oh, interpersonal okay. skills are matter, are, are important. They matter in the workplace. Um, and look, they hit your bottom line and productivity and, and turnover. Um, so I don't spend a lot of time. if I If there's no. not a resonance and I get it, it's just one more hill. I don't want to climb. So I, I have found there are enough people who get it and who know. And as I said, it's an enormous market. There's so much investment happening in soft skills that, that I, there are enough people for me to find, right. Where, where it's resonant. And, um, you know, I do like, like the other day I I was talking to somebody who was like, yeah, no interpersonal skills. That's passe. It's all about AI now, artificial intelligence. And, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, and we use some AI, right. It's, it's an algorithm sure. that personalizes the learning sequence and generates progress report and uses the data, right. That, so I am not opposed to AI and I'm super no. excited about mm-hmm. how else we're going to use AI to enhance the learning yes. of these interpersonal skills so that we humans <laughs> stay in charge, learn to behave better together. Right. And, I just, it's hard. Um, I I get all the excitement about AI, and they're again not separate. They're not, we can't, I don't, we can't make them separate. We can't,
0: we we can't bifurcate them. We can't. And that could be an entire conversation in and of itself for folks who are curious about that. I'm releasing a special episode on Thursday that drills just into this component and how, if anything, AI is increasing the need for interpersonal skills and not only just for our interpersonal relationships, but actually the way we interact with the machines. So could not agree more with you. The part that I want to call out that you said in that first piece though, that I think is actually really sage wisdom is sometimes it's easy to want to keep trying to hammer that person who just isn't there and try and like, well, I'm just, I'm going to get them on board. And you just keep going and going and going instead of going, you know what? Maybe this person isn't there yet. So I'm going to shift my energy and I'm going to go and transfer it and go find someone who is, because I think as an encouragement to what you said, there are enough people out there who are getting it. And so if you're an internal stakeholder and you go, well, this leader just doesn't get it. Okay. Maybe it's a season to go. I'm not going to keep fighting with that leader. I'm going to go find a different leader who does get it. And guess what? Once this starts working, that leader who was a skeptic and didn't believe me and this other leader, and I can say this from countless times in my career, once they start looking like a fool or in front of their peers because they were the one that was the naysayer and their peer who went, I get it, I'm in, starts outperforming them, they sometimes come along for the ride.
1: Yeah. And, and like energy begets energy, right? I mean, I mean, conflict is important and differing perspectives. It is. It's foundational and all in, the, in our trust module and, and energy, like go like also lean into, to where the energy is happening and find those places and get a foothold. Right. And, and so yeah. now we have data now, you know, Yep. And so I don't spend a lot of time trying to convince people who don't get it—at least not for my business. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes it's an interesting. I think it's so like I said. I think it's wise.
0: <laughs> the thing is, I think that's wise, sage wisdom—not even just for you and your business. I think for practitioners who may be frustrated, pulling their hair out, banging their head. Sometimes you do just need to set it on the shelf and say, "I'm going to go do this somewhere else," and that's okay. And yeah, actually, that may be the best to. step. That may be the best step to actually bring that person along for the ride. Okay. Yeah.
1: And, and it's hard to, like to, as I said, we humans, how can we really look at our behavior and say, Oh, we're good. We don't need to be better personally. Yeah. We're, we're good. we got it. We're done. We've, we've as evolved as we're going to be. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty easy to dismantle the arguments. I will just say that, but sometimes you got to know when you're like, you know what? It's not the right time. Well, Laura, we could continue this conversation for a very long time, but we are at the top of the hour. So I just want to close this up and say, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing what you've learned. Uh, Hopefully we've busted some myths. Hopefully this has changed the thinking for some folks. And again, really encourage people that there are better solutions out there. So thank you for the work you're doing and for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much, Christopher. This was a pleasure, really. All right. Thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you
0: and really enjoyed it. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Continue. I look forward to next week. And like I said, keep an eye out for later this week. I'll be talking about this specifically as it relates to artificial intelligence, but check out Laura and her work. I think they're doing some really awesome stuff. Have a great week and we will see you next week.